0: Today on The Journey, from Steve DeWitt, a message on the Holy Spirit. We only see the wind because we see the effect of the wind. We see what it's doing, the leaves that it's moving, the snow that's, that's sideways. We never see the wind, and yet we can't deny the wind, can we? And similarly, we don't see the Holy Spirit, but we see his effect. And we ought to see his effect in our life.
1: Welcome to The Journey with Steve DeWitt. I'm your host, Tim Svoboda. In the Christian faith, much emphasis is placed on Jesus and God the Father. However, there's a third and crucial member of the Godhead that tends to be neglected. Today on The Journey, Pastor Steve brings us to the upper room, where Jesus acquaints his disciples with the role of the Holy Spirit. You can also listen online at thejourney.fm. But right now, let's join Pastor Steve in John chapter 14, verse 15,
0: for a message titled, Meet the Spirit. We use the term spirit in many different ways, and oftentimes it's kind of vague, and it is subjective, and it is often impersonal. Today, Jesus, from the upper room, introduces us to a spiritual person whose name is the Holy Spirit. I think our, our understanding of the Holy Spirit would take a massive step forward if we all collectively realize that when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, we are talking about a person. Okay? He he is not a, a force like Buddhism or Star Wars. He is a he. He is not an it. He is a person with a personality and he relates to us personally. The Holy Spirit is a major theme in the upper room. In fact, in some ways you could argue he is the theme of the the upper room because most of the upper room is Jesus trying to convince the disciples that it's okay that he's gonna leave because somebody else is coming and that somebody is the Holy Spirit. And that coming is Jesus' number one comfort to the disciples. And with that said, let's get into our text today. We're in John 14. All right, today I have seven things that the text here teaches us about the Holy Spirit. Each of these, I hope, inclines your heart to greater appreciation and worship of the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna just walk through the seven. Here's the first one. Jesus says that he was sent by God, the Father, this is the Holy Spirit, at the prayer request of Jesus. Look again, verse 14. And I will ask the Father. There you have it. I, Jesus, will ask God the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. And Jesus here says that he is going to talk to God the Father and request that he send to earth, and specifically to the disciples and the church, the Holy Spirit. He says here, I will pray that the Father will send another helper to you. So, Jesus ascends to heaven. He says to the Father, please send the Holy Spirit. The Father sends the Spirit. The Spirit comes. Without the presence of the Holy Spirit, you realize Jesus could die for your sins every single day. And you're still going to hell. Because there is no way for his death to be applied to you or for you to spiritually have faith in it anyway. All of that is the Holy Spirit's work. And so any genuine Christian who gets that is going to be like, I am super thankful for the Holy Spirit. And that's where I'm hoping our hearts go as we talk. Number two, the Holy Spirit is our helper, broadly speaking, Jesus is saying there's somebody who's coming here and they are coming to assist you. They are coming to help you. And his coming is going to be a blessing to you. It is going to be a good thing. And as I said earlier, later on here, he is gonna tell the disciples, it is good that I leave you because then the Holy Spirit can come to you. Jesus is saying it's better for you to have the Holy Spirit than to have me. Jesus has a very high view of the Holy Spirit and what it means for the Holy Spirit to come and to dwell within his people. Helper. Number three, notice that it says another helper. See the text? And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. It is not somebody totally different it is another helper like the one you already have, which leads to the question, who is the one that they already have? And the third grade, Sunday school class would all answer Jesus, right? And that is the right answer. Number four, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. Verse 16 again, we're just ringing this verse out for all we can. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another Helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit, notice, of truth. So one of the qualities of the Holy Spirit is that he is, remember Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He just said that a few verses before, that Jesus is the truth. But here we come to find out that the Holy Spirit is also the Spirit of truth, and we know this is because God is a God of truth. So every you say the Father of truth. The son of truth, the spirit of truth, they are the truth. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, one of the unique things that the Holy Spirit does is the illuminating, it's called the illuminating work of the Holy Spirit. And that's one of the easiest theological terms because it really tells you what what he does. He, when it comes to truth, he turns the light on in our hearts. He helps us to understand to comprehend, I hope right now, even as I'm talking, that the Holy Spirit is taking the blah, 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 blah that I'm saying and somehow in your heart is doing a work for you to apprehend what is divine revelation and to apply it to your life. It is the illuminating work of the Holy Spirit. He is the spirit of truth. Now, it's much more than illumination. Just to give you a few other things here. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit, with respect to truth, is the inspirer of divine truth. The inspiration of the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, where, by, these authors of the Bible were so guided by the Holy Spirit that what they wrote was the words they wrote, but what they wrote was exactly what God wanted them to write. It's one of our most precious truths is that This book that we have is truly the Word of God. Paul says to Timothy that it is God-breathed, that it was out from God, such that now we have the very written Word of God. It is inspired by God, and that was a work of the Holy Spirit. Are you glad to have the Word of God? You should thank the Holy Spirit for it. Inspiration. How about this one? Regeneration. Regeneration is a work of the Holy Spirit, whereby those that are spiritually dead by the power of God through the Holy Spirit, they are, in a sense, spiritually resurrected. They are made alive. Jesus said in John 3, they are born again. That we come alive by the Spirit through faith in Jesus Christ, and we are alive forever. And ever, time without end. It is life eternal. Are you glad to be born again today? You should thank the Holy Spirit. And then we have this illumination, as I've already mentioned, where the Holy Spirit takes the Word of God, turns the light on in the heart and the soul, and I understand what the Bible is teaching and how it applies to my life. I could spend more time on that. But you should pray every Sunday. God, illuminate your word to my soul today. Holy Spirit, my heart's open. Please do your good work. Are you glad that you understand God's word today? You should thank the Holy Spirit. J.I. Packer describes the work of the Holy Spirit, I and I may draw on this later in the series because I think it's just such a wonderful illustration. He calls the, the role of the Holy Spirit is the floodlight ministry, okay, a floodlight ministry. The purpose of a floodlight is to illuminate something else. So if you drive by our Crown Point campus at nighttime, we've got floodlights around the facility, And uh, you you would see those floodlights illuminating the building. When people drive by and they look off-Broadway and they see this, how many of them go, oh, look, floodlights? No. You don't think about the floodlight. The floodlight is illuminating something else. We hope that they are saying, hey, there's there's a church we should go check out. And maybe you're here today because of that. I don't know. But it gets at the point that the role, the purpose of the Holy Spirit's illumination is to focus light upon Jesus Christ and the gospel. His divine human person, Jesus this is, his saving work for us on the cross, his accomplishment of our redemption. The Holy Spirit is using the word of God the gospel of God in the hearts of the people of God to focus, to shine light, to illuminate, to glorify the person and the work of Jesus Christ. He is a floodlight ministry. Are you thankful for the Holy Spirit today? You should thank him for his illuminating work. Number five, he is anonymous to the world verse 17 even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. the Holy Spirit is the presence of God on earth and yet eight we just crossed eight billion people on earth this week I read eight billion people, most of whom. Their lives hum along just, you know, the way they do here on earth. They are largely unaware of the presence of God throughout their day. This reminds me, uh, this week I talked with a friend who went through the massive hurricane in Florida a month or so ago. It was his first time uh, going through that. And he said we were newbies. We didn't realize that we needed an AM radio. He said the power went out, the cell towers all went out, and there we were in our house. We had no idea what was going on. We had no way of knowing anything that was going on uh, you know, in the community, how bad it was, or anything else. There we were. So there they were. The, the AM wave radio waves were all around them, but they were unable to receive it. This is an illustration of the Holy Spirit, who is everywhere all the time. His presence fills this earth, and yet many people do not have the receiver needed to understand what he is doing and what he is saying, like AM radio signals. What do they need? They need an AM receiver. And prior to salvation, none of us can, but in salvation, the Holy Spirit does his work in us. And we are made spiritually alive. We we get an AM, a spiritual AM receiver, where now we are getting communication by the Holy Spirit. Is your antenna up today? Are you listening? Number six, he is the indwelling presence of God. Verse 17, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. In you. This is one of the most wonderful aspects of the Holy Spirit. I don't think about this as much as I should. I'm going to guess most of you probably do not as well. But the Bible says that when a sinner receives Jesus as their Savior, that not only does the Spirit of God make us alive, the Spirit of God comes and spiritually dwells within us. Ezekiel 36 prophesied this, and I will put my spirit within you, this is Old Testament, and cause you to walk in my statues and be careful to obey my rules. Now we get to the New Testament. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? And be careful, or uh, within you, whom you have from God, you are not your own. Second Corinthians 6 What agreement has the temple of God with idols? He's basically saying every one of us is, in a sense, the tabernacle, the the temple of God. For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And Jesus says the Holy Spirit comes, dwells within us, and will be with us forever. How is that? He is in us and dwelling with us by the Spirit of God. So if you are a Christian here today, you did not come to the temple. You brought the temple with you. You did not come to meet the Holy Spirit in this place. You brought the Holy Spirit with you. He dwells within you, and you say to yourself, well, what's he doing in there exactly? Well, I'll tell you some things he's doing in there. The Bible says that he is there to convict us of sin. He works with our conscience to bring awareness of when we have stepped out of God's will. How do you respond when you feel conviction? The Spirit of God is working in you. He is there to sanctify us, to make us holy. The Father wants us to be like Christ. In he doesn't just say, okay, go figure it out. He sends the Spirit of God who is actively working within us to polish off what doesn't look like Jesus and to strengthen what does. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is there also to bear fruit through us. Have you heard of the fruit of the spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, etc. These are all byproducts of somebody's life who has is led by the Spirit. Paul talks about keeping step with the Spirit. These are all aspects of what it means to be in a submission to the Holy Spirit and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. When we do that, it looks like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. So sometimes people say, oh, he's such a Spirit-led Christian. Well, how do you know that? You know that because you see the fruit of the Spirit in his or her life. Would somebody say, I I think maybe I I sense the Spirit At work in you. How's that fruit going? By the way, side note, memorize that list. It's a great one in prayer in the morning to say, you know, Holy Spirit, please bear these fruits in my life today love, joy, peace, patience. It's a good one. It reminds you of what God is wanting to do in your life. Now, we talk like this, and the skeptic here would maybe say, So you're saying you think God's in you. Does that mean you think you're a God? No, I am not a God. But God dwells within me. Oh, really? Have you ever seen him? Nope. Have you ever heard him? Audibly? Nope. Well, how do you know the spirit of God's in you? And they'll deny it because it can't be seen just like the world can't see him. And when we think about the Holy Spirit, I I think that this is Jesus' analogy with Nicodemus in John 3. He says that the work of God is like the wind. Here's a good analogy. Jesus used it. If you think about the wind, are we familiar with wind in northwest Indiana? Probably. Did you see the sideways snow this week? You say, oh, look at the wind. You realize you've never seen the wind. You can't see wind. Even a tornado, if there wasn't a trailer to pick up, you wouldn't know that that there was a tornado there or dirt or dust. We only see the wind because we see the effect of the wind. We see what it's doing, the leaves that it's moving, the snow that's, that's sideways. We never see the wind, and yet we can't deny the wind, can we? And similarly, we don't see the Holy Spirit, but we see his effect, and we ought to see his effect in our life. This is the miracle of new birth. This is transformation by the Spirit into the likeness of Jesus Christ. He is the indwelling presence of God. Which leads to number seven. And number seven is just a summary statement that the Holy Spirit is God's empowering presence in us and with us. And this explains the little verse I skipped, verse 15. Jesus says this, before he talks about the Holy Spirit, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now that is a discouraging verse because if we all were honest, we all too often do not keep his commandments. Does that mean that I don't love Jesus? I don't feel like I've got what it takes to obey Jesus' commandments. You read in the Old Testament, the, the story of Israel is basically, here's the command of God, and the rest of the story is how Israel broke them all. Never could fulfill them in the end. But as we saw in Ezekiel, God said, there's coming a day when I'm going to send my spirit who will dwell within you. And by dwelling within you, in the, the seat of your desires, now there will be a capacity for you to actually obey me and to please me, to obey his command and to please him. And we see in Acts that at Pentecost, the Father answers the prayer of the Son and sends the Holy Spirit. And this begins a whole new era of faith in Jesus Christ that brings God to us, with us, and in us. And because God is in us, now we have the ability, by the power of God and the grace of God, to obey Jesus' commands. William Temple illustrated this point this way using Shakespeare. Bear with me, okay? Bear with me. Shakespeare, he says this. It is no good giving me a play like Hamlet or King Lear and telling me to write a play like that. Shakespeare could do it. I can't. And we all say to that, amen. And so it's no good showing me a life like the life of Jesus and telling me to live a life like that. Jesus could do it. I can't. But if the genius of Shakespeare could come and live in me, then I could write plays like this. And if the Spirit could come into me, then I could live a life like his. The end goal here, friends, of the Spirit's presence is to conform our lives to the likeness of Jesus Christ, that perfect holy life that Jesus lived. And by ourselves, we can't do it. It's so frustrating. If only God would come to us and empower us, wow, then we would be able to obey God. And that is exactly why the Spirit of God is dwelling in you, Christian. His empowering presence, think of it, it is God in us. Are you thankful for the Holy Spirit? I would say all Christians must be. And I'm urging you to take that thanksgiving and turn it into worship of God, the Holy Spirit. Because when it comes to the Spirit, we got the most. Amen.
1: Amen. Turning our thanksgiving into worship is a beautiful response to the abundance of blessings the Holy Spirit brings into our lives. You're listening to The Journey with Steve DeWitt in the conclusion of a message titled, Meet the Spirit. If you'd like to hear it again, visit thejourney.fm. That's where you can also find our complete message archive, send us an email, access relevant studies, or connect with our online community. Again, that's thejourney.fm. Well, here at The Journey, our mission is to guide you in your faith journey to the eternal truth of God's Word. That's why each day on the radio and web, We take our listeners into the depths of Scripture while making the truth easy to understand and applicable to daily life. But as a listener-supported program, we couldn't do it without you. The Journey relies in part on the financial gifts of generous friends like you, which allow us to share the truth of the gospel to listeners all around the country. So would you join hands with us in our mission today? You can call 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763, or give online at thejourney.fm. And to express our gratitude for your gift today, we'll say thanks by sending you a book by best-selling author and pastor, John MacArthur. It's titled, The Upper Room, Jesus' Parting Promises for Troubled Hearts. In the Upper Room, Pastor John MacArthur takes us back to that night and the glorious hope we have in Christ. This is Vintage MacArthur an exposition of the text that resonates with devotion to the Lord and love for God's people, calling us to know and love the one who loved us to the end. You can request your copy when you call 844-7JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763. Or you can give online at thejourney.fm. I'm your host, Tim Svoboda, inviting you to join us tomorrow when Pastor Steve shares a message about The perfect fix for our fears. That's Friday on The Journey. Today's program was produced and furnished by Bethel Church in Crown Point, Indiana.